0: to Courageous Help by BASE, where we believe in the power of assistance to change the world. I'm Natalie Turner, Executive Assistant at BASE. Here on Courageous Help, we sit down with current and former assistants who are challenging the status quo, from impacting global business practices to molding new career paths and beyond, all while managing their full plate as an assistant. Join us while we explore how today's assistants can leverage their position to drive positive change. Today on Courageous Help, I am very excited to be talking with Christine Valenzuela. Christine has spent over 20 years as an executive assistant and chief of staff in several industries, including aerospace, manufacturing, and software. She started her career as a receptionist many years ago and worked her way up to operating as a chief of staff for C-level leaders at a multi-billion dollar aerospace company. Christine strongly believes in advocating for other chiefs of staff and EAs to make sure they understand their value in the workplace. And to start us off today, Christine, I imagine you have a pretty unique story from how you moved from receptionist to EA and then to chief of staff. And I know that. You would also spend some time working as a project manager at one point. You took seven years off from your admin career (laughs) to work in catering and events, which we actually have that in common. I didn't take time off from that, but that's I started my career in in wedding and events. So I'm sure we'll talk about that. Oh nice. I would love to hear just kind of how did all of those shifts happen for you?
1: Oh gosh. Well, to try to summarize it is difficult. One of my core values is authenticity. So talking about myself feels really foreign. I mean, I don't like go around thinking about, okay, how do I talk about myself and especially my story because it's gone on for so long. Um, Like you said, I got my start as a receptionist. I grew up in Virginia. And so I was working for a commercial insurance agency at the time. And then I just sort of fell into the career at that point, you know, Mm -hmm. which I think tracks with what most of your guests have said. I'll be perfectly honest though. I struggled to find challenge within the position. And honestly, I changed jobs probably every year or two. My parents didn't like that very much because this was still at a time when you were viewed more favorably if you stuck with jobs for a while. But right. here I was just like, oh, okay, well, I think I'm done with this one. Let me go on to the next one. And yeah, it's it was a fast and furious turn. But I gained a lot of experience and it wasn't, wasn't really until I got further into the executive assistant role that I noticed the demands were changing to match my capabilities. And then mm. eventually I found my biggest challenge working in a C-suite and then later as a chief of staff. But yes, sprinkled in there, I was an event planner for seven years. I got out of that because my now 15-year-old daughter was like two or three at the time. And I... Okay. As you know, event planning is super time consuming. I worked 363 days a year. Yeah. Had very little time off, really long days. And I wanted to be around for my daughter when she grew up. So I got out of that. I happen to know my former mother-in-law worked for a large aerospace company. And she's like, why don't you get back into it? And she worked in HR. She's like, I, you know, I'll put in a good work for you. And she got my resume to the top of the pile. And I got an interview and the rest was up to me. So the rest is then history. I just got back into it. Yep.
0: And so making that transition sort of, you said you were in the EA role for a while and that's when you started feeling more challenged and then you wound up in events and then making the transition back. What was that like as far as like how much had the industry changed in the time that you were gone? I know this because I was in it, but all of those skills are transferable. But I want to talk about how you can make these pivots and then why eventually sort of you made your way back in. I know you said obviously for your daughter, but what was it like kind of moving back in?
1: It was a little nerve wracking at first, because if you've done events, things are pretty hectic all the time. You just never know what's going to come next. Something Things could be nice and calm. And then the next thing you know, you get a phone call that a vendor didn't show up and you've got an event starting in a half hour. And then all of a sudden it's a mad scramble. So Getting back into the corporate world, it was calm, and I was already pretty—I don't want to say I was high-strung, but kind of like I was on high alert all the time, right? Yeah. And so it took some getting used to because it was—it wasn't super quiet, but it was more calm, and it wasn't quite as lively as events. But I did adjust eventually because that's what I wanted. I wanted something. I was getting a little bit older, and I'm like, you know, I don't want to be high alert all the time, and I eased back into it and I got used to it. I had a lot to learn because it was a industry I'd never worked in before. A lot of really smart people that I was working with. So there was tons of stuff to stay on top of. And I kind of dove into that, learning about the business, learning what my boss was doing, really trying to wrap my head around all of it. And I think that's part of what really helped me level up to the EA position because I took that time to really study up on the industry because it was new to me.
0: Yeah, and we've talked with you know a handful of career EAs on the podcast, but I'm pretty sure that you're the first one who has also been in a chief of staff role. And I know that that has become a really exciting you know potential career path for EAs. And I'd love to hear more about that transition and maybe even the differences that you notice and what you would suggest for someone who's interested in kind of taking that path?
1: Well, it really started, I had a a job as an EA and it was an EA in title, but looking back, I realized that what I was actually doing was chief of staff work. Mm -hmm. So then that eventually transitioned into a chief of staff. And I, what really started that progression was that I'd been at a company a really long time. I kind of knew that I learned all that i needed to learn there and it was probably time to move on so i started getting my resume together and i've always kept the scratch pad of different i don't know phrasing words because as Eas we have to write a lot right and i don't like being caught off guard not every day is a great brain day so <laughs> i had the scratch pad of like all these different phrases and some one of the things that i had on there was phrases that i'd seen from executive resumes because i just they caught my eye because I realized that I did what I had seen on executive level resumes, which was kind of surprising. So I sort of saved these little tidbits that I that I found. Eventually the time came around when I had to do my resume. I went back to that scratch pad and I realized how many of these phrases I had seen from executive resumes that applied to me and my job. It was, it started out just as nice wording sounded sure. professional. And I love that. Like I, you want to sound professional on your resume, but then I thought about it and I thought I actually do this. I'm doing this and I did this too. And Oh, wow. I did this too. And then that's kind of what led me down the chief of staff that as an EA, you know, you just take on all the things you just keep going and going. And then you look back and it's like, no, I was doing a lot of stuff. So that's really I asked a lot of questions, I volunteered to do a lot of things, I started some initiatives. I did a lot as an EA and it wasn't until I paused that I realized that I was really into a chief staff role. And for anyone considering getting into it, I would say, ask a lot of questions. Don't make assumptions, you know, that no question is a bad question. In fact, sometimes asking really simple questions especially in a room of full of executives is a good way to go because they're all so focused on their particular area of knowledge that sometimes they miss the obvious and it's yeah. not anything on purpose, but they just get really focused and they skip the easy stuff. So sometimes it, it's helpful to have those those questions thrown into the mix and it's a good way to learn. Stay curious.
0: <laughs> I love I that. Like and one thing I want to pull out is... You say, you saying that you were in the EA role and you kind of looked around and were like, wait a second, I'm actually doing what I would find maybe on a chief of staff job description. And the reason I'm wanting to highlight that is in case any of our listeners find themselves in kind of a similar position where, you know, maybe they're not looking to move into a chief of staff role, but maybe more of like an EA team manager role or something where they look around and they're like, wait a second, I'm already doing this. And I would like to be acknowledged for that, at least in in title, if nothing else. So I love that you said you just sort of realized like, wait a second, I'm doing this. Or what you were saying about looking at executive resumes and their wording and realizing, I've done these things. Mm -hmm. And I am in more of a a chief role than... It's a fine line. I
1: I can tell you that. Yeah. Uh, um, Really, the way I realized it was I had a boss who was... Really, he was having to do two jobs at once because of Mm -hmm. something we had going on internally at the company. And it took him away from his office for not just weeks, literally months. I saw him very little. And it became one of those things where he's like, Christine, I'm going to be gone. These are some ground rules. You know who to reach out to if you run into any jams. Take care of these meetings for me. You know what kinds of questions because I sat in all his meetings with them. You know what kinds of questions I usually ask. You know what to look for. For These meetings have this person um, sit in, ask questions. He's like, don't be afraid to ask questions. And it was then that I really... I got out of just the tactical and I got more into the strategic because my head was in the meetings and understanding what was going on and asking questions like, well, why are we doing that? How can we have we looked at this resolution? How do we get that going? And, And so it started to kind of go outside of I didn't need my boss there to engage. And then I thought, you know what? This is strategic now. I'm acting on his behalf talking about his initiatives, really pushing, you know, what he wants for his department forward. And it's easy to do, you know, if your boss isn't around, one thing leads to another and you're speaking on their behalf. And then it just sort of goes down that path.
0: Yeah. When you start functioning as that proxy, whether it's, you know, your boss is maybe they're just on vacation for two weeks and you're kind of like, standing in as that or yeah if if you're in a more of an unusual situation like what you were describing and i think that that's one of those things where when they come back and you can say you know here's what i handled for you and let that speak for itself in terms of the value that you're bringing and allow that to be a part of a conversation if you you know you are looking for a change in title or that sort of thing
1: that's and that was another part of it too was that the end of the day i would see him 15 maybe 30 minutes and he was so fried from working on this other thing that I had to I took it upon myself to interact with him in just a very brief manner only gave him the top highlights of what was going on that day because I couldn't I read the room right I knew it wasn't the time to go on and on about everything going on like no he didn't want that he wanted the five minute version yep and so that's what I would do is I, I had a list of priorities and it was constantly reorganizing the list. And I went over only what I thought he might need to hear on that day. And if nothing else was actively pressing, then I left other people to to work on it in his absence. So
0: yeah, there's a delicate balance, you know, when you start speaking for your executive, when you start making decisions on behalf of your executive, how do you find that balance between I'm confident that this is what they would want? versus potentially overstepping?
1: That's a good question. I had a good relationship with my boss. I have had some bosses where I don't have as good of a relationship, but I will say that that was the impetus for being able to speak on his behalf because I knew we talked a lot. He was a talker we talked a lot. I knew how he felt about things and we had that relationship where I could just ask him questions and play devil's advocate Sometimes, you know, engage in a healthy debate about things. So I knew what he he thought. So I had no problems going to meetings saying, I know this is what he wants. Does it look exactly like this? Maybe not, but in general, this is what we're after. And sometimes sure. I had meetings where I'm like, I have no idea what he might think about this, but I'll find out and let you know. Yeah. And that's that's kind of always been my reaction to things is I don't like saying I don't know. Like saying I don't know in itself is fine. Sure. But the preferred thing is to say, I don't know, but I'll find out. So I'm always a person that'll say, I don't know, but I'll find out. And I would just report back.
0: So it sounds like one, you had confidence in your relationship and the amount of time okay. that you had put in that you truly knew what he would want. And then also just that discernment between, I'm not going to speak on his behalf here. I'm going to actually check and see what he would want. You have that discernment. And so that's what sounds like pretty important distinction there.
1: Exactly. And he did create a safe enough environment that I felt like I could be truthful and speak up and ask dumb questions occasionally and crack jokes and all these other things. And it made it easier to take those chances. And it grew my confidence, really, a lot, actually.
0: (laughs) But Yeah. So we've kind of been talking about how you've made these changes throughout your career and how you started realizing actually what you were doing was more of a chief role. I kind of want to segue into the question of the podcast, which is how do you think that assistants are changing the world and how are you supporting that?
1: I love that you asked this question because it's such an important question. I think We have already started to change the world, but we still aren't being fully recognized for it, honestly. I want to help change perception about our field so that our value can be elevated more thoroughly within the corporate world. It's one of the reasons why I'm here doing this podcast. I've done another one as well. I want to let people know how much our profession has changed so we can put those stereotypes to bed that lead people to believe that we have light-duty jobs.
0: Mm -hmm. We
1: know what we do, but we still have a lot more to do when it comes to educating others. If you want to get more specific about why do I think we've changed the world. Yes, please. I do want to get um, more specific. Corporate, corporate America, I don't think, this is kind of a grand statement. I don't think corporate America can exist without our positions.
0: Mm.
1: I don't. It's like having a house without framing or pouring concrete without rebar. You can try, but it's probably not going to go very well. <laughs> We've become a really important part of an office. The other interesting thing is that we're one of the few professions that has drastically changed in structure and in complexity over really just the last 30 years. How many professions can actually say that? Maybe the way in which people execute their jobs has changed but how many professions can say that what they actually do as part of their job has changed? What we know, well, they used to be called secretaries, right? Right. We know from the field, it looks a lot like what we saw in Mad Men, very analog world when everything was on paper, there were no copy machines. There were no fax machines. It was, you know, big, huge files, things that needed to be typed on a typewriter. And, that's how our positions came about. We were known for helping to, to manage the paper, you know, type, type up letters for executives and things, but all of that changed with computers and the internet. And yeah. then things changed even more, really in the last 15 years when the iPhone came about because that added a whole nother level of complexity to the situation. A lot of these analog tests still exist, but the core of our function, especially if you're an executive assistant or a chief of staff, it looks a lot more like project management. If you've never looked it up, a project manager is defined as someone who organizes plans and executes projects, except that our project is our executive or executives that yeah. we support. <laughs> and I have been a project manager for a short time. And honestly, being an EA to a C-level executive was far more difficult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was very similar but it's still far more difficult, no doubt about it. But I've given this some thought and not only are we project managers, but I wrote down a list of things that I've done as an EA over the course of my career that a lot of people might not be aware of. So you have to listen to see if any of this sounds familiar. We're yeah, information please. information analysts, we're software experts, we're travel agents, we're event planners, we're logistical managers, IT technicians, her sometimes personal assistants, PR reps, and then there's all the soft skills. We have pretty high emotional intelligence. We build relationships. We're expert communicators, expert organizers. There's a lot that we do as part of our jobs other than what people think we do. And throughout my career, I've come to know a lot of different people from a lot of different professions. Lots of different levels, different companies. And I don't know of any jobs that are more complex or more far-reaching than ours. We might not make the most pressing corporate decisions, but we work for, directly for the people who do. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a huge responsibility that can't really be overlooked.
0: I really appreciate you naming all of that because of course I know I do all those things and everyone right. listening to this knows they do all those things, but hearing it all listed out like that, it's like, wait a second.
1: And I could have gone on, you know, Yeah. I, oh, absolutely. Kind of top of mind, especially the IT one. I think I can troubleshoot IT better than some IT people.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And realizing that these are skills that more often than not we develop on the fly because we have to, yep. we have to, because who else is going to do it? Right. And There's we don't say no.
1: Else. I mean, that's not part of our job. We don't say no. Our job is just to figure it out. And that's kind of another important point about why I think our jobs are so valuable. Think about if you're a head of a company, can you go and ask a VP of whatever to do some random task? He or she would probably be like, no, I've got, we always say yes. And this is how we've grown our skill set so much. And now with apps and technology and yeah, no, I'm, I don't know how many times I've been sitting outside my boss's office and had his phone and I'm updating all his contacts. I'm responding to his text messages. And again, that other level of complexity is kind of another part of
0: our job. Yeah. I hear a couple of through lines in what you've been speaking about. And one is usually if you really take a step back and look around, you're doing way more than you think you are, um, or than it might feel like you are on a regular day-to-day basis. And that can lead to a change in role, a change in level. If you are an EA or you are a receptionist or an admin assistant, start looking around and being like, actually, I think, I think I'm think i ready for this next level here. As you said, start saying yes and collecting these different skills. And as you are developing your EQ and your relational skills and what you were saying about you develop that relationship with your boss such that you could serve as his proxy then that lends itself to a chief of staff role. So I think what I want people to hear and what I want to tie together through what you've been saying is just take stock of what actually you are doing. And one, realize just the absolute value in it. And two, think about what could this actually mean for me in my career?
1: Yeah, especially for people who have been at their positions for a long time. At one point, I had a a long-term job for almost 10 years. and. Honestly, I would say look at it every six months, if not every six months, definitely every year and start writing down a list of things that you've accomplished. Actually, this is one of my other little scratch pad things that I track is whenever I do something new at a job or something that I've never tried before, even if it's something completely innocuous, I will write it down on a list because that helps me to update my resume, build my resume or what have you. But Until you stop and you take stock in what you've been doing, you're not going to know. And again, that's kind of another reason why I like talking about this is we need to collectively start leveling up. And I assure you, I know there are EAs who are doing chief of staff work. I know there's admins that are doing chief of staff work. I mean, there are some elements of chief of staff that I was doing as a low paid admin. I just didn't know it. Sure, and so this is kind of the reminder for everyone to start understanding what you do and that value you bring, and yeah, you know it's it's a big step to bring it up, but you gotta you know take a bite of the elephant one one bite at a time, so yeah it's it's a good thing to do regularly,
0: absolutely. So I feel like we've kind of closed it up here nicely, but I wanted to check, is there anything from our conversation that you feel like we didn't get to fully speak to or anything you wanted to make sure? you got to share your final thoughts on before I ask you around if you have any resources or anything you want to share with the audience? Not really. I've
1: been doing this a really long time. And now I'm just happy to help support other people in our profession. It was during the pandemic that I spent a lot of time thinking. I did a lot of reading and I thought, I've got a lot of information, you know, and and it's time to start sharing it because it's it would be a shame for it to go to waste or just to stay in my head. Like there are things that I could offer to, hopefully shorten people's career trajectories and that's kind of another part of this too is this is a career especially when you start getting into an EA realm we can get paid pretty well i mean there have been moments where maybe you know the pay wasn't all that good but again that all feeds into us elevating our profile and kind of claiming our importance within the office structure because that's going to help help us get paid for what we're worth which is important
0: Absolutely. And it's what you were saying about how much this role has shifted. You know, it used to be someone would be someone's secretary for 30 years for as long as, you know, their executive was at the company or whatever. And and now there is a real, real career path here and it Absolutely. doesn't necessarily take leveling up in crazy ways. It might just take looking around at what you're doing and all of the skills that you've aggregated in all of the yes, of course, I'll do that, that you've said across your career and knowing that the career path not only is viable, but you're already building it just in what you're doing. Exactly.
1: Exactly. That's a very good point.
0: Wonderful. So my last question for you today is, is there anything you would like to promote or a way that people can connect with you after the podcast? Nothing to promote
1: maybe someday, but (laughs) right now I'm on LinkedIn. So people can look me up on LinkedIn. Okay. I'm pretty active there.
0: Awesome. We will link that in the show notes. And I really appreciate you coming on today and sharing with me, Christine. It was wonderful chatting with you.
1: Nice chatting with you too. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Courageous Help brought to you by BASE. Learn more about how BASE is helping modern assistants maximize their potential at basehq.com or find us on LinkedIn at basehq or on Instagram at the BASE app. Don't forget to subscribe to Courageous Help wherever you get your podcasts.